0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Right Perspective. Today, we're going to recap and review the 1967 drama, In the Heat of the Night. This is our very first Sidney Poitier film. And why are we doing it? It is because we need to be watching some Sidney Poitier films, but also because it is his birthday, you know, and so his birthday is this month. And so this is a birthday salute to to the late Sidney Poitier. And are you looking forward to this conversation and getting our thoughts? Well, of course you are. That's why you tuned in. And so please take a moment <laughs> to like, share, and subscribe on all the platforms that you use to engage with us. Audio, video, subscribe, click, like. We need them. So let's get into it. In the heat of well, the night. Well, before
1: we start anything, I just want to say that I was lamenting at three in the morning yesterday. And I want to know why you're the only one who has the James painting of our heads. And I think this is an incredible travesty. I was thinking about it the other day. And I feel like there should at least be some high quality prints going on or something. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I don't even want a solution right now. I just felt like I needed to say that. (laughs) And if you don't know, man, so I'm, talking about, I'm talking about. I'm talking about a picture up. that that uh, uh, boyfriend painted of us with our with our heads, and it's just one it's of the best iconic. Ever. It's yeah, beautiful. it is. It's, it's iconic. Okay. It's, and, it would, and, it and it would be something so if, but if you ever come home and it's not there, don't even worry about trying to figure out where it went. You know exactly where it is.
2: All right. I'm sorry.
0: Well, bro, it's so funny because we are getting it's ready to battle. We're we are getting ready to make a uh, print available online. So we've all actually right. been working on that. So, bro, not only can you have a copy, but all of the right perspective listeners and followers and viewers can also have a copy of this. Now amazing. they're going to think we made all of that up. They <laughs> are okay. We didn't. First, that of all, was you all, so perfect. First of all, you all know our promos are not great. So if we had planned that, probably it probably would have been with that girl. It because it it. I think <laughs> our promos are
3: Oscar worthy. Me so. too. So I
0: don't know what you you're do. alone. I don't
3: you're know what you're talking about with well, us.
0: Well, obviously they work because whoever is listening or watching is listening or watching. <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh. Well, bro, I'm so happy you gave us a chance Me to do shout outs at the top of the podcast. Yes, yeah, And so this is like commercial for future um, James Dersling. Uh Dot yes. com check us out yes it's coming there it is so all right so let's talk about in the heat of the night okay in the this heat this the film night. was adapted by Sterling Siliphant from John Ball's 1965 novel of the same name okay it was directed by Norman Jewison produced by Walter Mirisch it starred Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. And the score was done by Quincy Jones and featured a title song by Ray Charles, okay? The film made $24.4 million with a budget of $2 million. And it was nominated for and won so many awards. I really don't even have time to go through them all, okay? But it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, It won five. It was nominated for seven Golden Globes, It won three. And the score was nominated for a Grammy Award. It didn't win. I do want to name, though, that of the awards that were, um, you know, like, for example, for the Academy Awards, um, Sydney Portier was not nominated for Best Actor. Rod Steiger was. He won. Sydney Portier wasn't even nominated. Um, for the Golden Globe, Sidney Portier was nominated for Best Actor. So was his co-star, Rod Steiger. Rod Sager won. Timmy Poitier did not win. So I just think that's worth naming. Um, now, there's. I wonder there's, what that
3: translation is. They made well, twenty four million in nineteen sixty seven. Mm, yes. What is that in twenty twenty four? At least twenty twenty three. Because I like. Let's see. Twenty four million in nineteen sixty seven. Like.
1: How- no matter what, it's like you know, it's more than ten times the budget. It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: Because you as said as it was a budget of $2 million.
1: million.
3: That yes. is bananas. 20,
0: $24 million in 1967 is $223,766,000 in 2016. That's some Avengers numbers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like to use amortization.org to, okay. to, these, to do these translations. Because it's one that always pops up. So I feel like it's a credible one. And it's an inflation all all
1: these websites are going to do so much better now that we've mentioned them I mean
2: (laughs) Black (laughs) RG it's true and we're not even getting paid we ain't even getting paid we ain't even getting paid okay
3: so especially um, and I should mention Google because I know they're struggling so there you go tell them
0: how it's says google you're welcome save, save businesses around <laughs> <Yeah. the market. laughs> and y'all they were i mean when i talk about these nominations so for the academy awards the nominations were best picture best director best actor best screenplay best film editing best sound best sound effects and again they want they want five of those including best picture okay wow. So for Golden Globe, again, it's the big categories. Best Motion Picture, Best a- best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Screenplay. And they won Best Motion Picture is one of the three that they won. So anyway,
2: awesome.
0: um, and I will just say, I think it's so interesting that this movie is called a drama. You know what I mean? Because in my mind, I think of it as a thriller. But anyway, everywhere I looked, including on AFI. The American Film Institute, they called it a drama. I was looking for something to call it a thriller. Well, when I looked it up on Amazon, because that's where I watched it, it called Mm -hmm. it a suspense. Ooh, okay. I see. I prefer that. I think suspense or mystery. Something. Something. But uh, I will say that um, in addition to this movie, like um, really having this box office impact, there were also two sequel films. And y'all know, (laughs) I wish we knew about them because we could have watched them. Yes. That's what Sydney Portier. I'm so, so happy, I'm so happy you didn't know. Poitier. Really? The first, <laughs> yes. The first one was in 1970 and it was called They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. What? And they had one in 1971 called The Organization. And Sydney Portier starred in both of those. Nice. And so there was also a TV show that was based in the movie. Sydney Portier was not in that. Uh, neither of the, these Never guys were other actors. Yes, yes. That was in the 80s. And um it ran for seven seasons. Wow, I ran
3: for a long time. Even when long I mentioned time. it to my friend Ashley, um a a very staunch supporter of our podcast. She watches every episode, even shout if you out, don't know the shout movie. Out. Uh Ashley and so she said in the Heat of the Night, the show? And I said, no, but that's funny because that, for us, our generation, that's the in the heat of the night is what we That's know. what we think of. That's mm-hmm. what yes, we it think is. of. So. Yes, it
0: is. And because, you know, nowadays, a season for a show can be five or six episodes or something. Now y'all know so back in, in the, the day, way. a season yeah. was long. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. they had seven seasons, but it's a total of 147 episodes <laughs> and four TV movies. Listen, Y'all know we used to love a TV movie when it's like, oh, it's gonna be a two-hour t- episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and
1: and it was starring uh Carol, what's his name? Carol O'Hare. Carol O'Connor. O'Connor.
0: Yeah.
1: Who who starred in All in the Family. You know what I mean? So that's that was a big yes. actor I gotta imagine, at the time. Yeah.
0: Too. And then the uh, yeah, character and- that played Mr. Tibbs was Howard Rollins.
2: He's been no, in a bunch a of stuff show. too. He's, oh, he's, he's such one of those a recognizable who's been, face. Yeah,
0: he's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, so anyway, I gotta say, um, honestly, you know, I want to go watch those other two movies. Yeah, I'm I want to. I want to yeah, see this them. show because uh, it was on, but you know, we didn't. I didn't Never watch really it. We, it. It. Yeah. we were little, you know. So anyway, um, so for and some, we would have missed
3: the plot by the time I was born, which was eighty five, and the show came out <laughs> in eighty. I would have missed the entire
0: plot, you know? (laughs) It was a little harder to find reruns. Exactly. Find whatever you want. (laughs) So there's one more thing I got to share at the top, y'all, which is that um, there's on Wikipedia, they're citing a book that's called Pictures at a Revolution by someone named Mark Harris. And let me just read you what they say. The film is important for being the first major Hollywood film in color that was lit with proper consideration for a Black person. Wow. Haskell Wexler recognized that standard strong lighting used in filming tended to produce too much glare on dark complexions and rendered the features indistinct. Accordingly, Wexler adjusted the lighting to feature portier with better photographic results. Come on. That's So, say? for some, you know. This impact on cinematography, the box office, the sequel, the spinoff, the awards, for some, that bucket of things would be enough to consider this movie a classic. Uh, But today, we will determine whether it's a classic from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, we'll discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. But we gotta start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janaya right on the middle. And I I am Bridget. She's in the mood.
3: She's (laughs) in the mood. And I. (laughs) And I am the youngest. Thank you. Welcome, world. It's (laughs) going to be one of
2: those. You're You're welcome, world. Everybody
3: buckle up. We're talking about a drama. Why not be dramatic? And you're not and you're not Sydney
0: Corsair. Why are you dramatic when we're doing a comedy? you're dramatic
2: all the time. Brady,
0: what, what? You what?
1: just brought me along. I mean, <laughs> you're welcome, bro. Thank you, bro. Because when I, because what I, <laughs> I, one thing I, before we get into the movie, just because it's relevant, this movie was, in my opinion, perfectly overacted. Everybody had, it was just slight. <laughs> hmm.
0: It was just a slight. Let's circle back to that. I have thoughts and reactions immediately. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing. What? <laughs> we'll we'll
1: circle back cuz I am talking about it in a positive way. But, but we'll we'll circle back.
2: They call
1: <laughs> me Mr. Tibbs. I
3: said Yeah, what I mean was his I mean you're acting like Shindo. you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I know exactly what life. you mean. That was perfect description. And they, even when the wife found out about her husband, she was like,
1: oh. to see, no? <laughs> I was like, girl. Yes. And, like, and, and then they were like, we're going to let this moment sit for a good long time right here. We're going to let that silence just marinate. <laughs> she didn't want him to touch her. She that's it.
0: What are you that's talking fun. about? Since her husband just died, and there was a black man trying to comfort her. I know it was, all right, was you're it right was Janai, you were
2: right we what?
1: need to circle back you're right you're right I didn't realize it was going to be a thing to discuss but, but oh,
3: I'm oh,
0: excited to get it clearly back. in these discussion because no, what it, he's like we're talking negative what it's the F negative are y'all talking thing. about you're so like are we're, like we're talking you negative you all are saying it was overactive it was it was a, it was a it was it was just
3: overactive in a good way. That makes in a good you go, way, we'll yes. get back to it. We'll get yes, back to girl. Because I would have knocked it, I would have knocked stuff off the desk. <laughs> <What>? But,
0: but <laughs> so why is that overacting? Is what I'm trying to say. Well, let's
1: get back to it. Like we said, I, instead I of, instead Janiyah of, perfectly appropriate, very, wonderful acting.
0: Janiyah
3: is
1: very, I wonder which way she's voting.
0: And I want this you, scene I mean, that y'all are want,
3: talking about. I want to I want you to see how you're overacting, but it's fine. But <laughs> right I now. am not in a movie. Did you
2: see?
1: But it, <laughs> this is what was Pretty happening. That's so true. Yes. Look at her face. We have a real
2: life, time head.
1: example right now. It is perfect. Yes, that's it. Yes.
3: She just had her hand.
0: This is why you're missing out, audio.
2: You're missing well, out. because obviously you, hit it a you all, over it.
0: obviously, you all want haters to be the voting symbol that we <laughs> Oh, my gosh. For this oh. movie. Okay. So, if you're due Can to you our give us your cat, symbols? I can't
3: wait. Give us your symbols. I can't
0: wait. <laughs> Bro, I'm so sorry to disappoint. I didn't. Oh, disappoint. you do I didn't. I was just rushing. Okay, I, even, gotcha. I got in the shower and I was like, okay, I'm going to use my shower time to think of a voting symbol. And I forgot. I used my shower time to mentally work on my budget. <laughs> I forgot to think about a voting symbol. Oh, man. Do y'all have any? Did y'all come up with any? Uh, yes. What do no you from? No I, I made it up <laughs> when
3: we started talking. <laughs> we always <laughs> pick a voting symbol if you're new to, to our podcast.
0: We always pick a voting symbol and then we vote at the end. You know, in the movie we vote using the voting symbol we come up with. I I like when you I describe how is, we how we do voting
3: symbols to describe to the people how we do okay, voting well, symbols. Normally
0: I pick a voting symbol that really <laughs> digs into the larger themes that the mm-hmm. movie is, it is digging into in her mind, Aubrey picks a voting symbol that is like iconic imagery, you know. And Brittany doesn't prepare at all. Yes. She literally just gets on here like she don't know we're recording every other she Sunday, and then she just starts saying whatever's on the top of her that's head. it. Okay. it. freestyling. Okay. It's always good. They they left that part out. It's always no the best. No one okay. likes it. it. All
3: right, you know it's fine. Literally, no one. I've just what been out God. here in the world all alone.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> in the heat of the night, I just and been the all spit in the, the heat of the, heat of the heat night, sweating <laughs> and batting flies. Sweating and batting flies. Okay, <laughs> but bro, what voting symbol did you come up with? And I can tell you all what ones I started to think through but didn't finish. But can you tell, tell us what you came up with, bro. Well, first of all, yeah, because I, I I thought you were going to get there was super so much, meta was the thing. There was yeah, so I thought much. you was about to get there super was meta. So on this much one.
1: opportunity, but but what I really like and we but we've used this before, but I really like the badge for this mm. one for being oh, a good one because like that badge affected a lot in that scenario in in the whole plot you know what i mean because it was just one of those examples of his experience was going one way before he pulled out that badge in in every you know i'm saying circumstance it's like it's just interesting to watch how i'm the same man before the badge and after you saw the badge Mm -hmm. but it it, is just one of those things like oh you, you have a badge and it's one of those things where it's like, well, good, but this is still whack. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> like, yes, like so, yes. I, it, so that's how it was for me. You know, what yeah. I, mean? I, I really like that little. And he had a different badge than we've ever seen, you know, a little mm-hmm. leather.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: was, it looked like a 1960s badge. It sure <laughs> did. So like I'll say that. 1960s. To badge. To carve. I, I yeah. can't remember what one we used for a badge for before. I know we did. But this one would be a 1960s badge.
0: I love mm-hmm. that. That's
1: my my suggestion.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Would you come up with this? Meaning guns. Right now. Guns. Mm-hmm. guns. You know, what? racism. I'm stop this right now. The like Confederate flag.
3: Already a train. The from... suitcase. Okay. Well. Okay.
0: Well, suit. I see where this is A okay? police car. I told y'all she was in the mood. I told the you cream pie? But, is, but, but you know what? She's she this is consistent. Clearly, she's all <laughs> but of she's her a real recommendations she, she, are the worst. I mean,
1: she
3: is
0: first. all like the 12th simple symbol <laughs> already.
3: Listen, there was well, I can, so much imagery I can happening. Tell I had mm, I just I, it was so much. It was robust.
0: I had I had a couple that I had started thinking through that I didn't finish. Um, the one that I was, again, I was really going to marinate When I had, had, like, I was going to be in the shower get my, get my mental juices flowing. The one that I was thinking about was in the movie, there was, um, you know, there was a character that worked in like a sandwich shop. Okay. And he had, um, this, this game, he was playing with one of the local cops where the cop liked the pie at the shop. And the okay. guy would pretend like the pie wasn't there or um, the only- It was like a Boston cream pie or a banana yeah. cream pie. Yeah, like a lemon that. meringue. Somebody yeah, it was a lot something of like that. Cream on the top. <laughs> and, you know, or, or this one time there was a, a good full complete pie over to the side out of view. And then there was one piece that was like in view that was like old, dry, <laughs> had a fly on it. <laughs> and he offered the oh, cums, that piece of pie you know and so there was something for me there that was going to be about like how you could look at the same situation from from many angles and have have different perspectives you know what i mean and it was about the fact that you know throughout this you talked about it already bro like with the badge where it was kind of like listen this when this black man was there finding a truth that people could live with they could they could hear it and they could accept it. but when he was just there and all they had all the information the only information they had about him was his skin they didn't they couldn't abide him they wanted to arrest him they didn't want to talk to him didn't want him in the room you know slapped him yeah you know? um and so it, it there's something in there about you know controlling controlling information something in there about perspective I didn't get to finish fleshing it out. Yeah though but anyway that,
1: that, 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 that might that might need to be a short if it, if it comes to you you might need to do a separate little short <laughs> because there's a lot that there's could get, so much there's a lot that could get geniified in this in this movie there's so, much. so So there's if it so comes much. to you yeah you might need to
0: do a little short the another one that i had started to think through was there was a scene where the sydney portier character he's 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 he's, he's peeling back those onions okay and he has found what is he's starting to try to figure out where the real crime scene is okay and at one point he goes to a plantation field and he's standing there with like a pine rod which is a piece of a fence on the plantation field and he's holding it and he is trying to put the pieces together about but you know where where the murder actually happened because it's not where the body was found and there was something to me in that scene too with him sitting there holding this piece of wood um in a plantation um scene in the plantation field um trying to get to the truth and i, I again i just needed more time to flush it out but anyway bro i i i thought the badge it resonated for me sis it was on your long rambling list so i wouldn't assume it resonated for you First I would of say Jazzy list. Exactly.
3: I feel like <laughs> rambling is so rambling, harsh. Rambling, Jazzy. It's so harsh. It was an extensive list, an exhaustive <laughs> list of symbolism and imagery
1: in this oh very pivotal goodness. film. She must have drank some coffee or that, something it, that is what is in here. Okay. All right. Now it all makes sense. We got
0: she's over here, main line of caffeine. We're okay. We are all, it's all, all coming all right. together. It's all coming well, okay. together. Well, listen. It's a police badge, y'all. Okay. At the uh, end of this podcast, like this movie must a receive sixties, a police badge, nineteen sixties police badges. <laughs> if it receives zero, one, or two, it will not be a classic from the writers. <sighs> I have a question
3: before you read the recap.
2: Mm-hmm. Is
3: you- yes, how is was the little old man that was serving the lemonade? Isn't that the man
1: from Amen? I think you. I think it, I think that it was. I forgot to
0: look <laughs> it up, but I think it is. I meant to look that up. I, in my mind, made a joke that that guy looked like him, but I didn't. I, I didn't think. He's
1: been old since old has been. You early. need to be looking that up while Janaya is reading the. Okay. The
2: recap. Yeah,
1: he's probably right called. Now. He's probably a butler. No, she got. she'll, find well, me. I'm gonna look up the show
3: A Man yeah. first. That would be the easiest yeah, thing. She'll, yes,
0: she'll good find. call. Good call.
3: That, oh, y'all, man. that has
0: to be him. Okay, his name is.
3: is Jester Hairston. We'll click on it. Okay. Oh, he died in, tw- in 2000. Wow, he was born in 1901 in Blues Creek, New, uh, North Carolina. Now he almost wow. made the centennial. Yes, that is so awesome. But I'm sorry, that's not what we're here for. Uh, what we're here for is okay. Yep, he was in the heat of the night. That was I like, knew that, that was him. That was I, knew, was I, I was forgot him. to
2: look. I was like, I but he think it like an old man
0: version of him. <laughs> me. Yes. And so
2: I guess in the 60s, name? he was in his
0: 60s. What was his character's name on a man, real quick? Oh,
3: his name on a man was Raleigh Forbes. Raleigh. Yeah. Raleigh. Yes. Raleigh. yes. It was Raleigh. Not Raleigh played.
0: He played a um an a servant at the house of the wealthy plantation owner in this movie. Sure And it. he got a chance to give the face that needed to be given after some shenanigans occurred. And it was one of these movies where you you <laughs> in the whole movie for two minutes, but you you're memorable. You know. You, yes. The entire- all right. Let's do a quick recap, y'all, of this movie. And listen. I had to go back and cut stuff out because this recap was too long, okay? Because there's so many intricacies that I just had to just take some out just to make it a quick recap. So spoiler alert, um, recap of the, and we always do a recap, y'all, because our stuff is generally quite old, okay? People can't remember the details or they didn't see it, but they still want to participate in the podcast. So we always do a recap full of spoilers. All right. So the movie is set in the 1960s in Sparta, Mississippi, and it starts with a dead body being found in the streets in the middle of the night by a police officer, Sam Woods, played by Warren Oates. He's doing his nightly rounds. And the body, which had been robbed, by the way, is a wealthy like industrialist named Philip Colbert that had been in the process of building a factory that would have completely changed the economics of this poor, dusty town because it would have brought jobs and money. And it was also kind of controversial because Colbert had made a pledge that 50% of the jobs would go to Black people. Now, everybody in this town is poor. The white people are poor. The Black people are poor. The only person that seems to have any money, and frankly, actually seems to have all the money, okay, is a wealthy white man named Eric Endicott, um, uh, he's played by Larry Gates and he is he has fields full of cotton, okay. Black people sharecropping that cotton. And other than him and his experience, there's poverty everywhere. Okay. And then, but this, but this Larry, but this Eric Endicott character, he has fields of people sharecropping. He has a greenhouse where he grows lilies. He's just having a completely different experience, okay. After the cop Sam discovers the body. His chief, Bill Gillespie, played by Rod Steiger, tells him to go and look for suspects. Sam comes across a black man sitting at the train station reading a newspaper and he arrests him using lots of racist epithets. It turns out that the man he arrested is Virgil Tibbs, played by Sidney Poitier, a homicide detective from Philadelphia that was literally just passing through, minding his own business, waiting for a train to go and visit his mother. When the Sparta police chief calls the Philadelphia police chief to confirm Tibbs's identity. They discuss the open murder investigation, and Tibbs essentially gets a told to stay there and help. Chief Gillespie, um, you know, and Detective Tibbs, they reluctantly begin to work together, okay? Detective Tibbs is clearly a racist, um, but he is, you know, they reluctantly begin to work together because he acknowledges the skill set that, that Tibbs has. And that skill set it shows immediately. Okay. Tibbs does a better autopsy than they've ever seen. He does better crime scene analysis than they've ever seen. He's eliminating suspects. Okay. A few, a few times. Things come to a head because of just the, the overt racism in the place. And Tibbs gets ready to leave or he is asked to leave. OK, but all that basically stops when Colbert's widow gets a chance to see Tibbs in action. OK, and then she basically demands to the mayor uh, that black guy needs to have some leadership on this case. because He's the only one that seems to know what he is doing around. Here. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing. So Tibbs is investigating the likely suspect, okay? The wealthy plantation owner, Eric Endicott. When when Tibbs and Endicott have a confrontation that turns physical, okay? Endicott gets so offended by the fact that Tibbs is sitting there talking to him as an equal, interrogating him, that he slaps Tibbs. And Tibbs is, does what anybody would do, slaps him back. When the police chief doesn't immediately kill or arrest Tibbs, Endicott basically says, oh, you'll both pay for this. Okay. And so what does Endicott do? He uses his power to essentially end Gillespie's career as a cop. It hasn't happened by the end of the movie, but the mayor, the mayor had basically says to Gillespie, you know, I have to fire you now, right? You know, anyway, so it didn't happen by the end of the movie, but you get a sense that it's inevitable and Endicott also sends a mob of racists to kill Tibbs and they are chasing him around town with their confederate flags on their bumpers and the first time the mob almost gets Tibbs Gillespie intervenes okay the second time that Tibbs um almost gets got by the mob um you know he essentially distracts them you know and turns them against each other and he's able to get away All of this is happening while Tibbs and Gillespie, mostly Tibbs, frankly, while they are investigating the murder. They're doing crime scene investigations. They're interviewing witnesses. All of this is interspersed. Tibbs puts all of the clues he had gathered together and he figured out that the murder was actually a robbery gone wrong. It was not the wealthy plantation owner. It was a sandwich shop owner named Ralph, okay, played by Anthony James who was trying to get money to get an abortion for the 16-year-old girl he had impregnated, okay? So, of course, Tibbs was right once he put all the clues together. Ralph, who we now know is a pedophile, okay, confesses to everything, all right? When Tibbs finally leaves town, he has not only outwitted the angry mob, he has solved the murder and gained the respect of the local police chief. The end. Man, great song. Mm, let's things. go and there's a lot of stuff that was that also happened that just couldn't make the recap mm. so but so sis you saying let's go do you want to kick us off well what? Let, let, let's just start with the acting because we, we we were talking about the yeah acting. make make your point again bro let's see if you can make it in a way that makes me not want to come through the screen
1: well first of all let me be very clear I am, I am all me i am not
2: this. yo
1: <laughs> and here's the thing when I saw that line, <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. I saw that line, I was like, I know that's the line. I know that is the line for this movie. I know, and then when I Googled it, it was like, yeah, that's the that, I knew he, that quote.
0: I didn't know it came from that. I movie. had never heard of
1: it. But I'ma tell you, he nailed it. I wonder how many uh takes they did, but the one that they I'm put gonna just in the say one. They
0: call me
1: Mr. Tibbs. I was like, whoa.
0: And then that scene, somebody was together. They were really trying to just, they were just so racist. They just could not accept his qualifications. And they're basically trying to say, what what do they even call you in Philadelphia? Okay, where you you from?
2: Oh, no, that was
1: was
3: Gillespie questioning him, saying, what did they call a nigger boy named Virgil? That's what he said. That's what he said.
1: <laughs> could you imagine? Could you be imagine? It was what 1967, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you could, could you imagine being in 1967 in a black theater when when that line hit? <laughs> Big,
3: because all I mean, you would hear was, I know that's right. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I'm sure that got. I'm sure, you to... I'm sure that got a cheer break, <laughs> and, and that, like, I'm sure the stuff that happened after that immediately got a little swallowed up. And it was game changing. It in was game changing in the, in the reaction. But what I'm saying is, is the point I was making about the acting is when we watch movies from back then, um, most often, you know, especially back then it's like the actors get on. It's like, okay, I'm acting now, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's not really noticeable because they're all kind of doing it. But like, if you see, for me, movies from back then, they were more pronounced in in, in how they were, you know, they're more dramatic in how they, in how they do stuff. And I just can't. Anyway, like when you're watching a, a, a movie <laughs> nowadays, when it has really good acting, or like you know, you almost get sucked into the point where it's like, it's almost like you're not even watching acting. You should have said like, you know, it it gets real heavy, and I and I enjoy all of that too, you know. And but I'm saying this movie to be was just overacted enough and it made it enjoyable without taking me out of the storyline. You know what I'm saying? It was and like- sis,
0: You agree with this?
3: Yes. Because it makes you <laughs> it makes me think, when, as Aubrey was talking, it makes me think about that iconic scene from um, Good Times where it is after the father has passed away and Florida Evans, she, James Evans, Florida Evans is not like, showing grief in a sense she's just moving on and trying to get things settled and you know deal with her family and you finally get to see an opportunity of her break down after I think she drops something and breaks it and she's like damn 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 and it's like you feel everything but it is extra but you love the extra and you love it because you're feeling it and you're like yes this is it we're explaining my brain perfectly <laughs> right now. Whereas so both I of think your brains that, are wrong. Well, I Whereas think that you're objectively a more, correct. A more modern version of that type of quote-unquote overacting would have been um, what's the show? This is us. Where it's just like there's so much drama and so many things happening, but the way that acting has evolved, it it seems very different but there was overacting at times in that show, but you just, you don't feel it. You can recognize it, but you don't feel it because you're like, this is such a high intense emotional moment.
0: Um, So it is not a negative overacting. I could not possibly disagree more (laughs) with both of you because- in my mind, I mean just to understand understand one, why you're reacting you're like we're
1: saying something so negative.
0: I mean and to not to that one, that I, I'm not even I'm not reacting to it as if you're saying it negatively. I'm reacting to it as if I didn't see it. I am reacting That's my it. reaction is what are you talking about? That's with the lady when the lady thought out about her, <laughs> her husband, you didn't feel like she was like, I'm about to go do this scene. Listen, I'm going sh- I'm to I'm show them all. I got Why? 10 lines in this you know, show. You know what is so funny? These ten I lines? It, I was having a completely different reaction. It, for that scene in particular, I was thinking, oh my gosh, she played that s- with so much subtlety. How many times have you seen a, a loved one die? And what's the reaction? No, no, say it ain't so. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like there were cliche ways to react to a death. And I felt like there was a truth in the way that she was like, like, react, like she was I, I'm just trying to put it all
2: together. Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm seem, not even disagreeing it with that. It did
0: not seem overdone to me. And also, I would say Sidney Potier, and this is actually, I, I want to ask you all about your awareness of Sidney Potier's work, because I wish I knew his stuff, because I felt like his he was his acting in this film it was such, he, he walked that line. I thought beautifully, like there were times where they were were just arresting him for no reason. And he's clearly angry, but he remains calm as you must lest you be killed. Okay. Um, there are times where they're insulting him right to his face, but you can tell he's lived his whole life with that insult right to his face. So he knows how to handle it. And, and and even his when he when he slaps the guy back, it's not even like an overdone slap. It looks like an instinctual. I have been slapped. I'm slapping somebody back because you slapped me. Why wouldn't I respond in kind? You know, I I I I did not see any any overacting, and if, and in fact, I I was like, whoa, did they get to those subtleties? You know, I, even I, I I I I that that police chief, as I... he was grappling with his own L- like L- listen, racism. Listen, I don't where disagree he was, with He was trying people. not to befriend Tibbs but couldn't help but start to befriend him because they had things in common. He was fighting it. And you could see there were times where it ended with him having a little explosion of emotion. It was an explosion to me. I didn't see overacting. I didn't L- see that L- listen, one table this, this is This is what I'm saying. We, we spoke about
1: First of all, I agree with every word you just said, because I don't I don't think these two ideas are mutually exclusive. When, when I say when I say overacting, I'm saying I could tell they were acting. So like, when you watch we we met, I think last week, last episode, we mentioned kids. Right? The movie Kids. Well, While we you were
0: recapping fame.
1: Yeah. When you watch Kids, you, you're almost feeling like, did they just take a video camera and start following around, some, you know, some people in the neighborhood. Cause it's just, it's so real. You know what I mean? It, it, it's so real. I'm saying, when you feel like it, it feels like they're acting, but they're doing a phenomenal job. That's all I'm saying. That's all, all I'm saying. It's, it's almost like, okay. For example, it's almost like right before he did it, he was like, listen, I'm about to show the pain that I've experienced, <laughs> right? Over my life of decades of dealing with this. Watch closely. And then he went and did it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like he nailed it. But, but, but and, and so I just want to be, because I don't want to sound like I'm coming off edition. I'm just saying people were more dramatic. It, it, you're If you don't think, you know what I think it is, Brent? That's how Janiye is regularly. What?
3: That's, uh, that's why I said it earlier. Get in. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, what it is. She not know that... overacting because this is her on a daily basis. Yeah, that's what it is. That's... <laughs> she's
0: with her people.
2: She's I cannot believe TV. what you
0: <laughs> This is on I a, a daily basis. I'm going you me? she's only going I a little
1: extra. She's only Show going me. a little. Well, let and me if tell truth be my companion
3: through <laughs> the flames. Shout out what? to Vanessa Williams. Shout yes. out
2: to her. Is
3: that, is that Vanessa <laughs> That's an iconic. L? I think it's Vanessa. Is it Vanessa L? Yes, Vanessa um, L. Williams. Listen from an iconic scene in the Cosby's. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Well, you know what I? I when you're talking about kids. That movie, and, and it was the same thing with Fame. What we were saying was that those there were there's times in those films where it's like a slice of life, where it's like you're you're you look like you seem like you're a fly on the wall to
2: something yes, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so in that, and so I see what I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying that this is not one of those films where it's like you're you're a fly on the wall. You're what this yeah. is obviously a movie you know yeah, yeah, but yeah, i it's, it's like i i it's like I the, reacting guy, to the overacting language because i because i know i i didn't feel like people were overdoing it you know what i mean okay but i also see what you're saying
1: no i can see what you're saying with that i can see what you're saying you with know. that it's just nowadays like a lot of movies man especially when they're deep movies i mean the the techniques have just gotten they're different. They're just different. They're
2: different. They're all so
3: good. just as skill, but they're just different. And a lot of these people, they take their cues
0: from the people who started it all. They yeah.
3: watch that, Man, they study I, these, but, but they were students we, of them.
0: If we had gone into the discussion of acting a different way, I would have said, oh my gosh, the acting was so truthful. Like that's how I would have started. I, I like because that is how, to me. I was like, man, they could have overdone this. I literally said that. I was like, oh, they could have overdone this, but they didn't. You know? And yeah, this, yeah. And really,
1: I, really, I think we were just saying that to. Yeah. But like, at no point did I feel like that was the I point I was, it was making. Amazing. That's activity. the point I was making. I yeah. Never felt they did like, a great job. Like because <laughs> and, and even, an even amazing job. Yeah, because even the um. Well, I wanna even the parts in the in the middle that you know we couldn't really mention, but like the uh the chase scene where, where where the guy was trying, like it all just felt it was all really well. And I felt like everybody was on the same level. Like that's the other thing sometimes. Mm, like you could watch great. a movie, and then if somebody is being, you know, a little extra, whatever you want to call it, but they're the only one doing it. It, it seems even more extra. But it was like, everybody was at, like... On it. Yeah, everybody was on the perfect scale. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, everybody, everybody was on a perfect scale. So, I didn't... Like, I would... St- even whatever we said, I would check the acting in the positive direction. You know what I'm saying? Yes. O- on this movie. And I, and I would bet, like, if I was watching movies from 60 to 67... I bet I would say, man,
0: <laughs> these people killed it. You know what I'm and saying? And no, and in my opinion, nobody was a throwaway. You know, because no, like nobody. as we did everyone met, did an amazing
3: job. Even Brittany the was talking about characters. the
0: butler that was on scene for two minutes. Two that. minutes. And, and 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 definitely, there was so much intention and thought in that role. Yeah. Okay, and the way he showed up and the way that character was portrayed, you know, and the wife that we're talking about, of uh, the the widow of the murdered man, she was in Mrs. Colbert. It was, or it was Corbin? two scenes. Co- yes, she had two scenes. One scene, she she found out her husband was killed. The other scene, she was telling the mayor what to do. Okay, and that's it. And that's it. And she got oh, in the third scene because. Tibbs went to go visit her at her house. That yes, there you go. Okay. And in just those three scenes, she was nominated for an award. Okay. Because that is job. how well they did this thing. You yeah. know. So, um, yeah. and then there was there were other characters that were technically minor, meaning they weren't around a lot. There was um, you know, there were thugs like the mob that was coming after. Um, Yeah, That's another group that could have been overacted Because we have seen, ooh, we're- Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And it (laughs) they were just legit racists who were going to kill him. That, and it was just, it wasn't, they weren't overdoing it. They just felt he deserved to die, and they were going to get, like, it wasn't overdone, you know? And even there was a, um, there was a Black woman who, who had a shop in the Black neighborhood, who was also running abortions, did abortions out the back of her shop. And one scene, her name was Bia, or it's B E A H, Bia, or Bay, Bia Richards. Her character's name was Mama Kaleba. She showed in one scene the nuance of, like, listen, I'm doing what I have to do to have some quality of life. And I know with, with lines, I'm, 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 I'm dancing around here and I you know I'm sure I like I, I she participated in this complex relationship with Mr. Tibbs uh, this complex conversation rather and it was like three minutes or something Such but a it short was moment. like it was like girl Everybody you played that part job. yes so and,
1: and I feel like in that one little section she gave a, a great view into the experience Of being in a place like that, living in a place like that, being free but not really—you know—that whole doing what you got to do.
2: Yeah, it was also
1: a nice, um, because she was almost arrogant, right? Like in the way that she presented, until the concept of jail kind of came up, and then you saw that subtle waver in. Well, I ain't trying to do that now. You know what I mean, like yes, like, right. like that 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 type of, and all of that is how you know what I mean, like how it would be. So it's one of those characters that you feel like she's representing probably a lot of yes. people kind of melded in to yes. one, all, all, almost like whoever was writing this knew it's a bunch of people that they kind of put into one character. So
0: yes, and yeah. if you think about um, the fact that. If you think about who else, who who were her black colleagues in the, in the town sharecroppers, yeah. you know, like if she had managed to have a little bit of of something that was her own, I just looked it up. She was charging a hundred dollars for those abortions, and $100 a hundred dollars in nineteen sixty seven is nine hundred and eighteen dollars.
1: Oh, she was getting a band.
0: She was getting money
3: because people be out here doing it.
2: okay yeah, totally, <laughs> totally,
0: <laughs> no, so, totally, totally. You know, and how much would people pay to keep something like that quiet? Yes. I Especially mean, about when you're,
3: you're talking about the Bible belt where what premarital sex and all these things what? like absolutely not. And then more importantly, uh being a pedophile and you getting a minor uh pregnant. So that is also another mm-hmm. part. So I don't want to move us from the acting, but I, listen. I no, really we, I, I think we talked on take it. Us, uh, take us. Take us. I want to get into the story. Yes. Do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Let's so, go. There was, there's so much about this, but one part I really want to talk about, and it's probably like immediately heavy, <laughs> but the movie is kind of heavy, right? Oh, the movie was heavy. I it's was just heavy. like the irrational nature of racism. And how, how it shows up. And so just thinking to myself, okay, Gillespie sent him to the train station to go look and see if there was anyone out there. He's out there. Sam goes, uh, one of the police officers, and he just immediately draws his gun and starts calling Tibbs' boy, makes him stand up, m- pats him down. And, and, then, and, makes and this him guy hit- clearly
1: didn't just murder somebody.
3: He, he's sitting there reading a newspaper, waiting for the train. In a press suit. In a press suit. Like he is just like no sweat on him. No. It's no. like chilling. He's sitting near a bathroom, waiting for the train. And so it was like, but Tib says nothing the entire time. He I'm know? watching because he knows. I'm watching as he's navigating this world of racism, knowing he's innocent. How quickly individuals who are uneducated and don't actually care, they just want to be right and be done, how quickly you can change someone's life. Mm. And that's not just for Tibbs. They made an arrest of a young guy, probably 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. And they made an arrest of him to be the one that they said was the one that murdered uh, Mr. Corbin. But here's the thing, it wasn't him and Tibbs came up with that, but how quickly they were like, we
0: solved the murder. It's it was him. a couple of times. It was a couple times. They just found some young white guy and it was like, this one, you know, had- He had um, his billfold. Stole, stole the, this one had the wallet of the murdered guy. Obviously he did it.
3: Then it you turned
0: know, to be one of the officers. He's the one that killed him because this officer just made a big deposit in his bank account three hundred dollars, six hundred dollars I me. Mean, yeah. Like,
1: and, and it 90%. makes you think. It makes you think how many people in that time,
2: you oh, know, bro. Like,
1: it it, it was just. Oh, I, I remember I was watching this uh, comedian. I think it was John Mulaney, but he was talking about how easy it was to get away with bank robbery in like nineteen thirty because it'd be like. All you have to do was not be there when the cops got <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And you can, um, and you can get That's away. And, and, <laughs> but I'm saying the whole enterprise of law enforcement was just based on a lot of feelings, and you know, like they didn't have right. evidence, and so it's just. You know, or they were learning about evidence. Totally, so basically, and the
0: the history of policing in America as a construct is it's just an anti-black mechanism. Literally That's all based off of racism. But, but you know, you know, <laughs> at its origin, all it ever was it did. At it's very root at the beginning was get the black people, kill them, how take do them we, out. How do we get them you know, back you know, in slavery now?
1: <laughs> you know what I I feel like this story was masterful. And, and the reason why is because for me, the biggest thing was perception. Like th- this yes. movie was all about perception.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even though, you know, um, Mr. T- what, what, what's his first name? Uh, Virgil. Tibbs. Virgil Tips. He's clearly protagonist of the movie, right? But what I... I love a flawed protagonist. I mean not me, everybody. I think pretty much everybody loves a loves a, a protagonist that feels well, yeah. you, truthful. You yeah. Yes. And what I'm saying is, is it was interesting how I was going along the ride that this movie wanted me to go along, Absolutely. because like when 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 you're seeing everything that's happening in this town and you're seeing everything that's going on, you're like, this is some racist, you know? And, and you're like, and, and you just know, I I don't know what happened here, but I know I had to do with some kind of racism, <laughs> and that is the same thing Virgil was on. You know what I'm saying? That's the same thing Virgil was on. He and, and it's like. Nobody could fault him for thinking anything he thought up until that point, especially if you're speaking from Virgil's experience. But the reality was, the guy was innocent of that. Of that, he was innocent of of, of this particular crime. He was innocent, and even the fact of playing into Virgil's vanity. Because when they when they were st- there was one point where they were at the train and Virgil was about to go, and this you got this racist white cop who's been racist his whole life. You can tell. Gillespie, yeah, Gillespie. Yeah, he's racist his whole life, and he's thinking, "What can I say to this man? I need mm-hmm. him to say. I've <laughs> been a jerk. My my force has been a jerk. What can I say?" And it's the funny thing is is if you can't resort to nothing else, resort to the truth. And just, just, it, it just, tell, cause that is like, whatever you're doing, you've been trying to, you know, trick me or manipulate me. He was like, look, I am gonna just talk to this man about what I know. And he said to him, look, first of all, you know, this crime needs to get solved. And you're a man of honor. You know, you're not gonna leave without this crime getting solved, but mostly. Second of
0: all, second of all, your boss
1: told you to stay in hell. Yeah, your boss told you to do it. Yeah, That's he, second of all. Your yeah, boss told you to stay. Your boss told you to stay. So he went through all of the reasons, but then he got down to uh, brass tacks. honorable
2: Yeah, he got down yeah. to brass tacks.
1: And he said, but really, all of us have been treating you like a jerk. And you know you ain't passing up a chance to prove us all wrong. And it was just... And when you talk about acting, that was good, because you saw the conversation happening in, uh, in Virgil's face, in his head. Because he's like, I know you're right. Yeah!
0: <laughs> and
2: the train, the train the like he, he, his,
0: his <laughs> exit is right there.
1: It's just right there. The he changes picks it. up the suitcase. <laughs> he don't say nothing. He just knows. And I'm still gonna do it, Listen. even though you said it. Yes, I'm about to prove all y'all wrong, and it's gonna feel so good when I'm leaving the station. And I'm glad I got to do some good along the way.
3: <laughs> now there but, was a there was a line. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Go ahead. Bye. No, but
1: last last thing I want to say is that that's why to me it was just such a masterful story because every it shows that look, yeah, everybody's perception affects how they're. Approaching people, everybody, yeah. the good guys, the bad guys, perception yeah. is something, the people watching this movie, because guess what? At the end of this movie, it ain't have nothing to do with the entire movie. The whole, the, this whole thing, what like was, it could be 15 minutes. Yeah. Of of the whole movie.
2: But anyway, I need to
1: cut you off. No, so that, okay. no, that because you were, I had cut you off.
3: So yeah. sorry about that. There was a line, though, that Gillespie, um, between, because uh, they're the main characters that you see the entire movie, <laughs> yeah. are Mit- Virgil Tibbs, uh, well, Detective Virgil Tibbs, and you have the police chief, Gillespie. Gillespie. And um, you. there is this line that Gillespie basically says to um, Tibbs and says, like, you know, well, you know, these these are your people, basically, talking about Black people. Cause he wants to say to him, cause he's talking about how um, Corbin is building a, a, a factory, a facility that's going to be uh, employ a thousand people and 500 of those people are going to be black people. And so he said, those are your people. Like you should want to fight for that. And tips his back to him. He said, no, those are your people in that moment. Tibbs is calling him to action to say, you're supposed to be fighting for the justice of the people in this town. Not just for one group, Mm. not just for one side. Mm. These are your people. And in that moment, because now you are talking about the badge and all the fake things that they have said, what that badge is supposed to mean uh, back in the day. And so you're you're having that moment. But you also see... Because in the slap, when the slap happened, the, the detective
1: uh police chief Gillespie was like, I don't know what to do right yeah. now. Where I do really said
0: I, I, do. I don't know what to do. Can I speak on
1: that? Can, can, can I speak on that yeah. real quick? Because that was just another part of the story that was so, so good. good. I love so good. you wanna talk about overacting. If you wanna if you want to talk about movie overacting, crash, y'all remember crash? It it was like, I think I had that DVD. Another movie, Overacted, a a movie I really enjoy. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, Her brain is frying. Her brain is frying. Her brain is (laughs)
2: is
1: (laughs) is frying. But but one of the things I really loved about that movie, and it made me think of you watching this movie, is how dishonorable people can be honorable. And honorable people can sometimes be a little dishonorable. You know what I mean? In, mm-hmm. in, in a way of like, because Tibbs let his focus be impacted that, and he would tell somebody else they shouldn't do that. Like, he would tell somebody else, you should be objective, Appro- approach everything based on, the, he would do all of that in that moment where he came to himself like, oh, my God, like, I'm doing the same thing. You know, like, I'm doing the same thing on the other side. And no, yes, that man is an evil man, but there's, he's not guilty of this stuff. And the other thing was, as racist as this cop, Gillespie, was, when he heard that the guys were after Tibbs, he could have easily just not did nothing. He He could have just not did nothing. But especially based on, you would think, you know, he's this racist cop this racist. But not only did he do something, he got in his car and ran to go find him, and was the only reason why Tibbs
0: sur- survived. That. And and and, go- and 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 Gillespie, you know, he he had gotten to the point where it was like, especially after the slap happened. So after the slap, where the where again. In that moment, and Arbor, and, you started to describe the scene, but the white man slaps Tibbs. Tibbs slaps the white man back. And mind you, this is a wealthy, plantation-owning, power-owning white person in this town.
3: That just got done doing a speech about how Black people, excuse me, uh colored people or whatever, because there was only a couple people that called black people, Negroes in this movie. Those were the ones that were slightly respectful. Uh, but he said, that's why with the, with the color people, you have to feed them
0: and nurture them. They need to be taken care <laughs> they of. They can be taken care of. So they can, be, so they can, so they can grow to be independent at some point in the future. <laughs> um, You see where his, where his, his thoughts were on the I politics think, of the day. Well, I see. We need to burn it down. <laughs> he, he gets slapped. He's, he gets slapped back. And he looks at the police officer and he said, um, you know, he was expecting a police officer to just arrest Tibbs, no, kill him, shoot something. him, kill him. Is that he was expecting him to kill? And he him. said it.
1: He said it. I could have had you
0: shot right in this moment. Right in this moment. And, and- wait. <laughs> I lost my point, y'all. I'm sorry. I was, I was, it's, all, it no, back it's all good because all good. I, the, point. I'm sure the baby come. is crying in the
3: background.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we can't hear.
1: Yeah, we can't hear. I, no, I you want to sure. bring
0: her in. I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> short. James got it. James got it, but it just it made me lose my train of thought. Okay, it's okay when it comes back, just bring it
2: yeah, back. Yeah. But,
1: but, but, yeah.
0: but based on
1: that scene, I'm just saying Gillespie, and I thought this was also what was interesting about these. Cause it's about perception. It's about circumstance because Gillespie strikes me as one of these people, like the guy, the plantation <laughs> owner, he was, I remember he my was, time. Oh, don't lose it. He was just straight evil. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was a person who would have been evil in whatever circumstance he was born in any of them, but Gillespie it strikes me as one of these people who's like, we, we could not be racist. I didn't know that that was it. I didn't like I just thought we all had to
0: be racist. That's just what it was. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yes. But but you you got your well, you caught your well, thought. yes, I get my thought came back. Cause what I was gonna say was, and bro, you actually what you just said is a great segue to this point because the slap happened. Gillespie in that moment, he says, I don't know what to do. Because bro, to your point, he's like, wait a second. This is a black person I actually respect and understand as human. What do I do? I can't treat and him like an really animal just now because I understand him. he's human. And so he's like, I don't know what to do. And so later on after that, he's like, well, you have to leave town. He's like, Tim, yeah. you got to go. He is like getting him on the train. He was like, you have to leave. You will be killed. You have got to go. And the mayor is the one that appeals to Gillespie and reminds Gillespie of his interest. He says to him, listen, you need him. You need him to stay, and you need him to be successful because he has no jurisdiction here. You can use him, use his skill sets to solve mm-hmm. this case. You're going to get the credit for the case no yep. matter what, regardless of what happens to Ted. Okay, and so and if and if he messes up, then you, you can say y'all shouldn't have yeah. trusted him in the exactly. first place because it was it was the <laughs> widow. Who said, "Oh, I really want the black guy to have a leadership role." So the mayor was like, "Either way, you win. You're, you know, you're, th- th- you're interested in this." So I just wanted to say, bro, there was something you had said that had made Gillespie. You, you were talking about the nuance of people having so many motivations yeah. in, in every single moment, and I wanted to point out the complexity of um, Gillespie's motivations. That there were parts where it was just him being selfish. It was that there was a selfish motive to him respecting
3: was Something I want to name, which is still happening today, is there is this mindset of how white people are above the law. And in this movie, the way it was portraying itself was. Tips, get out of town because this mob of people are going to kill you. You're the police. <laughs> You're the ones that are supposed to control this type of situation. So your only control of this situation is just to, for me to leave. <laughs> That's not controlling the situation. You're essentially saying that you have no control of this group of individuals. And not
0: going to try.
3: Not gonna and try. these group of individuals are fine with doing this because there are no consequences or repercussions because we are justified in this action that we are, try- that we are trying, that to, we're trying to have take place. I was like, this is bananas, but also this movie was so good that it took you into it. And you were just, I was just watching it like, no, stop them. He, they shouldn't do that. Because he hasn't done anything. And basically what everyone is upset about is that he is a black man in a suit. And they needed the factory that Corbin was going to build just as bad as any other
2: black people. That's right.
3: And this town couldn't have had more than a thousand people in it. And it was about to employ a thousand people. I'm like, everybody would have jobs.
1: (laughs) And I'm just saying, like, it, it is just so crazy how all of these people could have reasoning behind feeling how they feel everybody even the people who are wrong grew up around this mindset and yes. i'm not, not giving anybody excuses but i'm saying that it's how they grew up racism is from, hot from, it's socialized. From, from day one it's just been over and over and over again and over. to the point where you know it's just normal to them but they, this story takes you through all of these things. And it takes you through all of this, you know, stuff that's rooted in racism. That, uh, but this situation that would have had repercussions rooted in racism, this situation actually had nothing to do with that. This situation had to do with a guy trying to get somebody to get a girl to get an abortion. And, When you could think about how much stuff could have happened. Racism-wise, that could have happened as a result of something that had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. That was just also, (laughs) to me, just great writing. That that was so good. It it was like, we could take you through the whole situation. And you're saying that, you know, you can see all these people's Points of view or whatever.
0: Did you, did you all guess that it was the shop owner? Did you all see that? Like again. No,
1: I did not. Did you did y'all? I, did, he, I did not. In, in fact, until I'ma say, until he until he said it when he when they were about when he was about to get lynched, until he said it, I it really didn't all come together for me. Because I'm telling you, up until that moment, I was still like i think of myself as a person who hasn't evolved whatever you want to f- believe that about yourself but at the same time i'm this whole movie whatever's happening it got something to do with some racism like, like i I, <laughs> I just was really there until that moment and i was just like good job movie movie <laughs> good yes movie thank you for you teaching me some lessons you
0: well, I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I did not see the 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 um the pedophilia and the abortion piece coming into it. But I knew that the shop owner was guilty of it. Like I knew he was the person who did it. And the only reason I was getting to that conclusion is because they kept showing him. Other than, other than and and they weren't just showing him, meaning he's the guy at the shop. They were giving us um slices of who he was but like mm. we, were, we were concluding that he was like a grimy slickster like you know what i mean um and they kept coming back to him every other townsfolk moment it was just one you know we met a black family at the gas station we met the black woman at the um the the abortion no that house. wasn't like, a gas
3: station he was uh he owned he owned the automotive shop Okay, it was an automotive. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing a gas yeah. thing Well, there, there was, was a gas pump there, but it,
0: was, a, yeah. it, was, a it was an automotive shop. It was an automotive shop, you know. Um, there, everybody else, we met one time, but we kept going back to that shop. And I was like, this guy's in on it somehow. Mm. And I was like, I think, he, well, no, that, I think that, he's I, 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 I think I, he's I, a murderer.
1: That's you just being particularly observant, and especially in the mm-hmm.
0: movie. It was. And, it, and also I was trying to figure it out. It was no, I didn't, no, yeah. I wasn't just in the moment. I was like trying to like figure it out. Yeah, no, because I cause I, I felt like they got a
1: good Kaiser say moment in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, and that because a good, see the thing is, it wouldn't have been good if we only saw him at the beginning and then they just brought him back at the end.
0: That's right. What makes they it good is
1: to. you think back, you're like, oh, like, <laughs> and, and, and like that's, they got me with he had you know to be I mean? around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, 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 they it's, a, it's a balance though. It's a balance. It's yeah. a balance. And like, he could have represented other things you know what I mean? in, in, in that movie because totally. you know he could he could have represented some other things but like and they never mentioned him in connection with the, the teenage girl, girl. no nope. so like even when he came out at the end it was just a whole you know it still was taking a moment for me anyway to because at this moment it's like okay what's this dude doing is he just doing is he another yes. agent like what's of of. You know what I mean? This, this this rich guy, like, what's what's going on here? But Which yeah, I, I brings, thought that was a great
3: moment. I think this brings us to cinematography. Oh yeah, back in this movie. So <laughs> the the movie starts off with your like seeing Sam go on this initial, you know, ride around the town, and he slow he turns his lights off, slows down towards this house, and this is the house where the sixteen year old is walking around with the lights on, bucket Knock neck. It okay mm-hmm. and so at first i'm like i'm not even thinking that this is about to have any connection to anything i was like That's
2: okay i said That's okay thing, lady bro. i, I was like oh, we're just that. like
3: we're just excited to watch some white lady with her boobs out but let me talk about the cinematography in that part they the way they had the window panes covering her nipples you saw everything else and i was like oh y'all did a good job Okay, I like how you did that. Then there were times where you're like zooming into the back of the, into the back of the police car, into the um, backlight. You're, I was like, okay, or
2: or
0: like yeah. or, or like, like Sydney picks up a piece of evidence and then it's yes. in on it. Yes, and everything yeah. else was blurred. Yeah, and, and, oh. and, you didn't, and you didn't feel like
1: you were watching an old movie. No, you did. Know, I... Like it was almost like it could have been a movie shot recently. I in, feel the, that's the in, the, way. in the
0: style of yes.
1: a whole movie.
3: You know what, yes. what I'm saying?
0: totally, totally.
3: And I, I want to talk about even showing the nuance of we're on a cotton field. I'm assuming the movie took place in the 50s or 60s. And you're seeing Black people only picking cotton, the sharecroppers. But you're also seeing this industrial machine that is also picking the cotton. That's right. This, that nuance right there,
2: that, that, what is the word I'm
3: looking for? Duality like that right there was just so, so powerful. Oh goodness. It was like just showing this modern thing, but how to be very clear, seeing black people picking cotton was a never, it was never anything that was ever supposed to be off the table. That was always supposed to be on the table. How can we continue to have this type of lifestyle? Mm
2: -hmm. Because
3: this is what was always supposed to be the case. Mm -hmm. Another thing was, oh, I'm sorry. Well. No, because
1: I I don't want you to get off that scene. But don't lose your thought. But I just wanted to say that was another scene that did exactly what it was supposed to. Because when when you got to meet um, Ellicott, you hated that dude. By the time, I mean, cause like they're driving up and you just know, okay, this is what kind of movie this is. This is going to be where this guy gets his comeuppance. That is what this movie is going to be about. He's We're going to have coming. to peel back the layers. And at the end, that man is going to be walking off in cuffs. And the crazy thing is that would have been a good movie too. But I'm just saying that was a great scene that was just, they were just getting you exactly where they wanted. It was like,
2: Yo, yeah. you're going
0: to hate this dude. Well,
2: that... let me give
0: you all a little trivia. Oh no, since you were in the middle of a point.
3: Well, I was just going to say, and it's a slightly off of this, but still kind of into it. Just talking about how poor that town was, Sparta, Mississippi, right? So oh, poor. You don't even have, you don't see any of Philadelphia, but you have the feeling of what a city like Philadelphia, what type of money they have, what type of diversity is going on in that city. You don't have to see it, but you know that that's happening because you have the best detective, homicide detective coming from that place. And it made me just think about how there is probably an academy in Philadelphia and you have to go through schooling and get chosen and pass tests. Whereas in Sparta, Mississippi, Bob, you want to be on the police force? Yeah, yeah totally I'm available sure. on Sunday. Sure. Like that. Is,
0: that yeah. And the doctor that was just life. the town doctor was doing the autopsies and he was not doing a good job. Because
3: here he goes, he's like, because doesn't rigor mortis said in isn't, and the doctor goes, it does. And I was like, oh, no. Even,
1: <laughs> even, you want to talk, even how he was navigating that conversation, right, was really true? Mm-hmm. And it says um man, you know, like how he had to present that to, you know, it's like because I'm sure as the doctor would say, you know, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, so by the time the guy agreed with it, the, the Jedi mind trick was already passed. <laughs> it was it already was like, happening. It's like, hold on, he just said something that I should know. He said I know it. Let me before I could even really figure out what's going on.
0: We've already moved on. You've already agreed yep. we've moved on, and, and you bro- can tell. Like,
2: and, <laughs> and, and, you, and
0: and you've allowed and you've allowed me to still retain power in the room, is even it, though I have no qualification. I'm doing no. a horrible job, and I'm not. You know, I get to, that, I get to still be in power.
3: Which be, oh anyway, I'm not gonna say that. But what we'll say is the corner in that in that scene. I want to shout him out. I don't know what his real name is, but I think he was a corner. He was first of all in his pajamas. I just want to be clear about that. (laughs) He was in in his pajamas, but he did an amazing job because he had like no lines. He had like maybe three, but his face, his facial expression, did everything that needed to happen the whole time that Sydney Portier was touching the body. All you saw was the corner looking like this. (laughs) His face the entire time was like. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm disgusted. I'm intrigued. I'm mad, but I'm also like, he's doing a great job. (laughs) I just, I appreciated him having him saying so much with just his face, because again, it was someone similar to a Gillespie. Like, I know I'm supposed to hate you right now and you're not supposed to be in here and I'm not going to respect you, but I see everything you're talking about and I'm
0: probably going to go get all the things that you (laughs) said
2: that you need.
0: Because it was yeah, just so I, have to, I have to share a couple of trivia points okay. here. And um some of them are about the visual and set experience, right. but some are about the acting too, you know, and some are about the larger context for the film. But yeah. I gotta share some of these little tidbits, y'all. So the first is that um Sidney Portier insisted the movie be filmed in the north. Because there had been an incident in which he and Barry Harry Belafonte were almost killed by Ku Klux Klan members while they were in the South in Mississippi. And so the film was actually done in Sparta, Illinois. You know, the city, the fictional city had a different name, but they changed it to Sparta so that they could use the town, the signage that that was already in the town. Wow. That's good. So um, there was one time in the film where they did have to go to the South because they needed to go to a plantation. Sure. Okay. And so they went to Tennessee for the outdoor scenes for the plantation. And there was an incident, you know? So, like, they had issues. They didn't have a hotel to stay in and stuff like that. Like, um, and on AFI, there is a video where the director talks about that. He talks about how the one time they did go down south, he had to really convince Sidney Poitier to do it. And then they had all these issues. They had incidents, whatever. Poitier had to sleep with a gun under his pillow while they were in production in Tennessee. Okay, he got he got threats from local thugs and things like that. Anyway. Um, in real time, showing this above the lawness. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, do you all remember that nuance of the police chief chewing gum?
2: That yes, Rod
0: Sarah was chewing gum, the and it became a part movie. of his character. So Rod Steiger, he was asked by the director to chew gum while playing the part. At first he resisted, okay, but then he grew to love that idea. And he went through 263 packs of gum <laughs> over the course of shooting. But that gum chewing, it was one of those things where it was like such a, again, if to me, it was one of the, another one of those things that could have been overdone or been hokey, but it was just who he was. He was mm-hmm. chewing the, the heck out of this gum. Okay, now this one is interesting. So um, the movie is set in a hot Mississippi summer, right? That's the setting but they actually were filming in the autumn in Illinois, okay? Many of the actors had to keep ice chips in their mouths and spit them out before takes to prevent their breath from appearing on camera during the night. Wow. You don't think about stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah. And they weren't actually hot. Yeah. (laughs) In some of the scenes. So now the one context, the one I wanted to share is about um, what was happening at the time when the movie came out. So due to the assassination of civil rights activist, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., April 4th, uh. 1968, the presentation for the best picture Oscar, Best Picture Oscar for this film was postponed for two days from Monday, April 8th to Wednesday, April 10th. Yeah. And so just showing the, the stuff that they were talking about in the film, it was just, it was happening in real, in real time. Yeah, time. Oof, so yeah. That's heavy. That not that? Isn't yeah. that? Um, And then sis, what actually made me scroll over to my little trivia page was when you were talking about how we never saw Philadelphia, but we got a sense that it was just a very different experience yes! than what was happening. Yes. Sis, I love that you said that. And one of the ways that they showed us that differential was in discussion of salaries. They made. Oh, yes. I'm so
3: happy you said that. <laughs> $162 and He
0: made, <laughs> made $160 yeah. per week in 2014 and $2024. That would be $1,510 a week. Wow. So I, I wanted to give us that number. Um, can somebody quickly multiply that by 52 to see how much that is for a year? That's
3: probably like $62,000, I think. Maybe. No, okay, it's
1: like 75.
3: Is I'm it 75? doing it.
0: I'm putting a calculator.
3: I'm putting it in there. You said 1,000 what?
0: 1,510 oh, by 52 weeks. That's 78,000 a year.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: That would be yeah, currently $78,000 right, a year. Um, Which again, you do a comparison nowadays. To what's happening in some smaller rural areas, and to hear of someone that you don't respect or think of as human making $78,000 and you ain't making half that. Anyway, not they, even
1: half
3: that.
0: Even, he, that's what he was like. He was like making more than twice our salary. And he was the chief saying this. Listen. I,
1: I, I mean, he, he was he was going through an existential crisis throughout the whole movie. The whole because, movie. movie. It, it, because he, he said, was just a person. She, who had never been exposed to anything so good. else?
0: He was living in the truth. Yeah, it, he, he, he just was that's never all. exposed to anything else. Mm-mm.
1: Baby, he was living in Sparta,
3: Mississippi, chewing yeah. gum. That's, that's his it. life. He knows the whole town. The whole town knows him. The mayor's office looked like it was on the side of, like, I don't know, a travel where they were business. it
2: were like was, was, was. It was
0: like, like are you also on travel? Yeah, that, like, what's happening here right now? Totally. Are you also I, an accountant? Like it was like he, a little he, office. He, he, you're doing
3: a couple of things. Oh, um, one of the the very first young men that they um arrested for the murder, again the young guy, he was, uh, he was being racist towards Sydney Portier, and they played this moment because Gillespie. Played a moment where he wanted the evidence what um, po- uh Tibbs' character had gotten from doing the autopsy. But Tibbs said, well, no, I'm sending this to FBI and then you'll get the results that way because I want to keep it in my hands. And he said, oh, so you're withholding evidence. Put him in jail. Really what Gillespie was doing was giving Tibbs an opportunity to be in the same jail cell with the guy because Gillespie didn't want to say that he was wrong and that he falsely imprisoned this young man. He was like, let me just do something else. And so in that moment, you have Tibbs in jail with the young guy. And so they're having this conversation and the young guy is, first of all, upset that he's getting put in jail. This black man is coming into the cell with him because there are like two or three other empty cells. Then as they're having this conversation, he says to him, what are you doing in white man's clothes? Tibbs had on a suit. And so it's
0: like, oh, all all people don't wear these clothes. And none of the white men we have seen in the whole movie had a suit on. (laughs) Not not even the mayor.
3: (laughs) The mayor on a short sleeve dress shirt. And so it is just interesting seeing this thought process and there's a mindset with the person who's literally trying to help you which this is what tibbs tells him in the scene he said i am trying to help you because i don't think he did it and so they're having this conversation until so eventually he does let his guard down and tells tibbs more information about his connection and relationship with the young lady where he was he was at the pool hall He's like, there's no way he could have done this, especially uh, during the time of what the death could have been and all these different things. So he's finding this information out, but also more importantly, the young guy is left-handed and whoever actually did the crime was right-handed. right-handed yeah. It was a very simple things that he was coming up with. Not simple, but just in a, it, it's just someone who's actually doing detective work on a case. And so it was just watching that nuance that happened in the sale of how he's correct i'm literally having to let go of some ignorance or just some of my racism so i can get out of here because i know i didn't do it yes. and I, okay so there's someone that's going to prove that i didn't do it but i just wanted to name that part and sis when you're, what when that you're talking like.
0: about someone getting over themselves and, mm-hmm. and, and and because of the moment needing to just go ahead and relate to Tibbs in an honest way, getting getting over themselves, that scene where the police chief and Tibbs are at the police chief's house, yes, and the police chief is admitting how lonely and isolated he is, and Ooh, it's something that I'm they glad had to you comment, mentioned that. That was a good
2: scene. It was that
0: scene was, that was a so good powerful. I dare y'all to say this was overacted. I will end this Zoom. Okay, the <laughs> podcast will be over for all eternity. That Oh I will this say
1: this. It scene. was acted in which way the rest of the movie was acted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: you take that and do whatever. Draw whatever, want Kevin. Draw whatever.
0: <laughs> <country>. <laughs> Listen, so what, I, what my tidbit about that is that um, they had, some of that dialogue was improv. And it yeah. just goes to show how much they were in those yeah. characters. Wow. Not, they were not, in those characters.
1: Yeah, that definitely, not, mm. definitely jumps it up a j- jumps Ooh, it up a
0: notch. That scene,
1: people should, should just watch
0: should that, that scene. People who are like studying acting or even studying writing. If you're studying writing, you should just watch that scene. This yeah. is this is this is two people carrying the weight of the entirety of who they are. And it's all coming out in a couple of, in a brief couple of exchanges. Uh, uh, It was just, it was just.
1: And even, and you know, when you talk about. The acting of like at the end of the movie, when they're looking at each other and and everything like that. And it was like, it's exactly how it would have been. I'm not going to say nothing, but I'm going to pick up your suitcase and carry it for you. You okay. know what I mean? Like And, that, right. and, and, and that's it. Like, I'm gonna do that. And I'm and I'm I'm gonna walk in and, you know what I mean, giving you that respect. And you know, at the end, it's just like they had this, it was like they had a whole dialogue in their looks. That's it. It was like, bro, I grew up how I grew up, you grew up how you grew up. In another reality, we'd probably be good friends, actually. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, Absolutely. But like, I live here, you live Not there. Not in this reality, just, yeah. you know, we're about to return to our lives. That's why I'm so curious to see. The next one. The next movies. Because yeah. I'm curious to see where they went What mm-hmm. did Like, like did they
0: just have him go to another town? Or were where, they you unrelated? Did he like, def- get back in touch definitely... with Gillespie? Like, what did he do? You know, yeah. that, that concept of
3: the relationship that you're talking about, bro, it makes me think of Brene Brown, um, and how in her book she um, dared to Lead, she's talking about being a leader, but she's talking about hard hard conversations in some one part of it, and how you have to be willing to rumble, and it, and rumble doesn't necessarily mean right we're getting into like fisticuffs or like you know, <laughs> it, we're not like on some West Side Story scene right, but it's really a rumble of thoughts, you know, your feelings, your emotions, being respectful of one another but being able to have that hard conversation so we can come to a place of, as I'm getting on the train, as as I am leaving, there is a level of respect that is happening because I came into it at, at first, maybe not with an open mind because I was living in my truth and being honest about who I am. But then I came in after being here I can't fight with logic. I can't fight with reality. I can't fight with this truth that's actually happening in this moment. So even if I still have this, maybe a background or so, you know, whatever it may be. Mindset. mindset yeah. mm-hmm. In this moment though, I can dispense that because I've allowed myself to see something different, to be proved something different. And now I know that this piece can be real as well
2: mm. i and know that,
3: that this is a reality
1: and that's the good and that is a good arc in a story a good because both um gillespie and virgil tibbs ended up in different places than when they started you yep. know they 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 both grew and learned something about themselves and it's just like yes it, it, it's like i and i know on some levels Janiyah was uh, texted us about the movie about you know how it was just amazing and obviously Brittany and I were enjoying it too. I'm sure you all have deduced by now. You know what I mean that 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 we were enjoying it as well. But we, for me, for us, I think it was a little lighter than it was for Janiyah. But what I'm saying is the writing, though, I felt like I was witnessing. By the end of that movie, I'm like, yes, this is how you tell a story. This is, you teach lessons without teaching them directly. You don't have to bang somebody over the head with what you're trying to do. The message is so much stronger when it's pulled out by you feeling. It was like, you knew that white, you knew that rich white dude was guilty too, didn't you? Didn't you? You knew, you knew that he had something to do with it. You just knew, you know what I mean? And like all of these, and it's like, I'm not even saying you had you didn't have valid reasons for thinking it. Yeah. You're I'm not arguing any reasons. I'm just because saying- because
0: he those. was guilty of many things. He was guilty of many
1: things. Yeah. And it's he was not so, so, murder. So mm-hmm. you're not being unreasonable, but I'm just letting you know he was also not guilty of this.
2: Mm-hmm. And just
1: yeah. take that and do with that what you will. You know what I mean? Put that in your brain, let Man. it swish around. And, and and then you know. And I believe movies like this can actually impact how people Absolutely. You know, act. You know what I'm saying? Because I you, you, so much of this, and you sit back and think like, people almost died. Oh, and, and many didn't people even have had, nothing to
0: went do. to jail. Yes, totally. For a long time. And y'all, I quickly just, because I know we're about to, it feels like we're yes. coming down the home street yes, here. Yes, we're coming down I the quickly, I quickly just did a quick Google on the other two films. In the trilogy
2: okay.
0: and in they call me mr tibbs and in the organization he is at a police department In he's still virgil tibbs but he's in san francisco okay. instead of hmm. philadelphia okay. okay and um in san francisco he's investigating the murder of a prostitute and they call me mr tibbs and then in the organization he is. Um, he's been brought in to hunt down a gang of urban revolutionaries that have been suspected of a series of crimes.
2: Well, mm. So, tell one thing I will tell you: is do
0: not Google these movies because I, I accidentally saw spoilers immediately
2: oh. for both of them,
0: and I now they're ruined already for me, and I haven't even seen them yet. I, I barely did any googling, so just don't Google them. But the point is they don't continue the Gillespie relationship, at least not as the main storyline. Okay. You know. Oh, you all, we have to talk about the music that was done by Ray Charles and Quincy well, Quincy Jones and Ray Charles. I feel like it was just that song. Yeah, it was and just the,
1: because it was just that song.
0: The that, one in the I diner. Mean,
1: <laughs> and the rest of it was movie
0: everything all the whole composition um was by quincy jones but yeah ray charles just did that one song you're right
1: well i'll say that the music never took me out of the story yeah whatever whatever was going on the score yeah yeah, but but it wasn't they didn't really have songs like that it was more of a it was a score
0: it was like you know how it
1: is like did you you guys ever see that um he's either a, a youtuber you know tiktok or whatever but he had he plays saxophone and he plays different instruments and he'll play songs like instrumentals it'll be like it's a steamy night in the 1980s movie and you just got home yes the, you know, <laughs> and then he'll play it and you're like yo that's exactly what it sounds like and um I'm saying that's
0: how I felt. I felt like the music was just more of a I agree. I agree. I felt like what they were doing with the music was they were they were like if you just heard them just based on the music, you knew you were in the south. Yeah. Just because they we we got some of the music before we got any other content. The music told us we were in the south. Um the music um was was giving us a sense of the the time and history, you know. Um and then it, it it was just like, it was like there was like a subtleness to the soundtrack where you 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 would become aware of it when you needed to. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was always there, but there were points where it just popped up and you were like, yeah. it it helped you with the scene. And it helped. So I it was like, wow, it was just so as Aubrey said, I mean. Even the music was something I was reacting to in text yeah. message to Arby Brittany. Like, wow, yeah. this music. It was. When it was, when it was, when you were becoming aware of it, it was supporting the scene.
1: Yeah, it complimented it like, everything yes, very well. It complimented, mm-hmm. yeah, it complimented everything very well. Not over, not too much, not too little.
0: Mm-mm. Just right. No, it was just punctuating these emotional moments, you know, and all of the scenes, they have songs. I won't read them through them all, but the, the actual tracks, I mean, so, in addition to the "In the Heat of the Night," which was performed by Ray Charles,
3: they have a song called "These Little Country Songs." They were playing. yes, "Cotton
0: "Where <laughs> Whitey Ain't Around," "Whipping Boy," "No, You Won't," "Nitty Gritty Time," "It Sure Is Groovy," Bull Legged Polly." Do y'all remember that one playing? <laughs> Bull Legged Polly," car
3: I think, or was that the one in the diner?
0: I think that was in the car. Okay, "Shag Bag," "Hounds and Harvey." That was, I think, in the diner. That's the diner. Okay, um there's this one called Mama Kaleba's Blues, you know. Um, so anyway, they, they have the little names to the to the, the parts of the score. Yeah. Um, but I gotta tell you, I I I appreciated the music. It told yeah. us that the it set the it set the scene. It set the yeah. each scene. So wow, well, I think we might be ready for the vote, y'all. All right. Uh, All
2: right, I'm sure this one is a talking. real a real oh
0: Wait, Sidney Poitier? How can we forget? Like, did y'all watch? Is this y'all's first Sidney Poitier film ever?
1: I don't know. I, it could be. But I'm going to tell <laughs> you, I n- I never, I didn't know why he was mentioned the way he's always, just because I didn't know. I, what I do you mean? Really, oh, that, that, I mean, when you talk about Sidney Poitier, he's the man. You know oh, you saying? just mean the fact that he is an icon. Yeah, okay. yeah. I just didn't know. I didn't. I wasn't aware of. Got it. Why? Just because I hadn't seen it. But I'ma let you know. Well, he was like, "They call me Mr. Thames. I was like, "I get it." It all snapped like that one line. Oh, wow. Well and I and I know I haven't seen a bunch, but I'm gonna delve deeper, more deeply into his catalog now that I've. But I'm just saying that one line gave me what I needed to know because, and I'm not—he did great the entire movie. But I'm just saying the way he nailed that line mm. because the thing about that line is—and
0: I never heard it before. But I knew you've what, never heard anybody referencing. They call no, me. No, I'm sure I've heard it a bunch of times. I ain't but heard I just, people referencing. I was but, telling you, they do it in the movie I, The Lion King, and uh, the, the animated one. He was like, "They call me Mr. Pig." At the point where,
2: yeah, I'm
1: saying it's—I know I've heard it tons of times. I'm, I'm
0: sure,
1: but I'm saying it, it wouldn't pick up for me because I didn't have a context for it. Yes. At all. you know what I'm saying. And I'm just saying, I know that they were probably talking to him like because this is—it's like this is a line you have to nail.
0: Yes.
1: You have, if it's too much, too little, it's not going to hit. You got to get it perfect, and I just see him saying somewhere like, "Turn the camera
0: on, turn, turn the camera <laughs> on, man." Like,
1: like, who are you talking yeah. to, man? I got it. I just turn I'm the camera. on.
0: Party. I bet he my... did. It. Brittany
1: was joking, but I bet he did it in one take. I bet uh, it, the, it, it looked like he did it in one take.
3: I yeah. Now that you say that, and you ask that question. Uh, this is probably the first Sidney Portier movie. That I've ever watched, maybe I've seen him in things. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen him like in a things. Guess, yeah. you know, like a, a, an appearance or a guest, you know, a cameo, but not ever like an actual Sidney Portier movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I really feel bad about because yeah, him and Harry Belafonte are like two groundbreaking, you know, really paving the way. For um black actors and actresses, uh, so I um yeah I'm looking at his his list of films and I'm I'm sure this is not exactly just a quick Google search. I'm like "Mm, okay yeah oh it's he made a movie ninety seven and ninety one. I was like wait what? And I I must say (laughs) I I
0: I feel I feel ashamed. That's the only word to describe how I feel about the fact that I don't know his work. It's like how you out here, you know, living this here life as a black woman having the nerve to be a movie reviewer and you ain't watched more Sidney Poitier films, that's how I feel. I feel like shame on me. Like, um, even and I'm not saying you have to be a fan of a person, but right. there's certain people where you have—you should know that you should have yeah, but knowledge. take the time. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm gonna rectify that because he knocked me he shocked my mind at channel nine. He
2: <laughs> knocked my socks off. Man, I was just still had my channel
1: nine. I gotta, I gotta reload it up on my
2: channel nine <laughs> slide. It was excellent. And
0: I um and I read there's a um an article published. He, you know, he just died in 2022. Yeah. And there was an article on the New York Times after he died. That I would recommend everyone read. It's a fat, it's longer, but it's a fast read and it's so interesting. If you just want a summary of his life, I think you should everyone find this article. And um what I learned reading the article was that he was born in the Bahamas. They were very poor, talking about wearing potato sacks. Poor. Okay. Never saw a mirror before. Wow. Poor came to the United States because there, there was essentially, it was an economic reason that they ended up coming to the United States, his family. And he was, he, he lived the life of a very, a poverty stricken life. He ended up lying about his age to be able to get into the military. Okay. Served in the military, came out of the military and um, he, he was interested in being an actor. And the only way he could get into, like he he was auditioning to be a part of a, a theater house, the only way that they would take him in was when he agreed to be the janitor as well, oh, right? Wow. He had been working as a janitor, doing all these kind of odd jobs, and he lived as an as an adult a level of poorness in which to he would save up nickels to um to sleep in a pay toilet overnight it was because it was too cold wherever he was. um, and it was just to have some warmth. he was sleep in a pay toilet. so but he he parlayed all of that experience into this iconic career, you know, wow. and one of the things he is known for, though, is for and this I did know about him, so I'm happy they addressed it in the article. He's known for p- playing like he's not playing the black guy that's like, um, you know, being the revolutionary necessarily, you know, he's playing the black guy. That's like integrating things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, there have, there people have a perspective on him sometimes saying, well, why didn't he play this other kind of black, black man, you know? And he addresses it. They, they talk about it in this article. I'm going to read this really quick and I know it's time for us to wrap. Um, but here we are. Um, After breakout movies like Blackboard Jungle and The the Defiant Ones, Mr. Portier's fate was tied to Hollywood, his purpose to expand the boundaries of racial tolerance. This is a quote. The explanation for my career was that I was instrumental for those few filmmakers who had a social conscience, he later wrote. In The Defiant Ones and in the heat of the night, racial politics coincided with meaty roles. Just as often, however, Mr. Poitier found himself playing virtuous messengers of racial harmony in mawkish films like Apache Blue or taking race neutral roles in less memorable films like a newspaper reporter in the Cold War naval drama, The Bedford Incident, Simon of Serene and the Greatest Story Ever Told, or the formal cavalry soldier sergeant in Duel at Diablo. Um, skipping a couple paragraphs. The critics who would later accuse him of bowing and scraping before the white establishment seemed to dismiss Mr. Poitier's longstanding outspoken advocacy for racial justice and the civil rights movement, most visibly as a part of a Hollywood contingent that took part in the 1963 March on Washington. Early in his career, his association with left-wing causes and his friendship with the radical singer and actor Paul Robeson made him a politically risky proposition for film and television producers. His style, however, remained low-key and non-confrontational. As for my part in all of this, he wrote, all I can say is that there's a place for people who are angry and defiant, and sometimes they serve a purpose, but that's never been my role. Anyway, so that complexity of how he showed up, he was so clear on the part he was playing, and he played it. So, and that's just as an individual. He understood that he was a part of the larger movement. You know, um, and I know we got to go there. There was another quote in this article where he basically says, um, you know, um, I knew that I was representing 15, 18 million people with every movie I made. You see? That's heavy. He, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. So <laughs> when we find this article, y'all, it's on the New York Times and it's called Sidney Partier, Who Paved the Way for Black Actors in Film Dies at 94. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sydney Portier.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, thank you all for letting me squish that in at the end. Yeah, Get yeah, to the yeah. vote, bro. <laughs>
1: yep, it gets my police badge. This is a great movie. No, what kind of it, police my, badge? My, my six, 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> badge. And now this is definitely in my rotation. I think it's a good movie to if somebody was talking about Sydney Portier if, if it was a topic of conversation it would be a great movie to show and i'm also curious to see those other movies and watch the the tv series because of it so yes it is definitely a classic
0: bro listen i just did everything you just said Mm -hmm. okay i it definitely this movie definitely gets my my 1960s police badge and um And let me tell you, I actually I'm going to end up watching that movie again today. And I don't mind uh, because James did not get a chance to watch it with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, oh, man, I haven't seen it the whole way through. I wanted to watch it. And I'm like, well, let's watch it. Like, I'm not only willing to, but like, I kind of want to watch it again. (laughs) Like, and so (laughs) this was just within a few days. um, I definitely am going to see those other two. And I'm going to tell you what I with intention Try not to watch a lot of police officer shows. All of a sudden, I'm watching a show and I'm thinking, "Yeah, shoot him, kill him," you know. And it's like the violence of these things I struggle with sometimes. So I try and honestly try not to watch too many cop shows. But I'm about to watch it in the heat of the night all seven seasons. <laughs> if it's if it's even fifty percent as good as this movie, I'm about to watch. I'm about to watch it because I I gotta tell you, I I just really. I was drawn in by the characters, the acting, the writing. I, I I can't think of a flaw in the story. It was just very well done. So it definitely gets my 1960s police badge. <laughs> Sister? <laughs> I'm cracking up.
3: So uh, In the Heat of the Night definitely gets my 1960s uh, police badge um, for all of the reasons that um, Arby and Janiah stated But also just a movie, I appreciate when a movie, a television show, anything like that allows you to quietly question your own thought process.
2: Mm. And it
3: allows you the opportunity and the space to grow, not in an accusatory fashion, but it allows you to say, listen, you're nuanced, but you also have some blind spots. You also have some ignorance. You also have some ways that you were raised that were not okay. And this is not a movie that's just picking it at one person. It is everyone. It's just because showing we everyone. All have, we yep. all have blind spots.
2: Yeah. Yes. We all
3: have ways we've been raised that allow us to be a bit ignorant, that allow us to be a bit one-sided. And it's okay because that is how you're raised. It's who you are. But is it who you have to stay? Right. Is that how you have to stay? The answer is no. That's you don't right. have to stay that way. You can become different. You be- can can become and grow, a, be a better version of yourself. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you'll become perfect, right? That those things will never come up again and you'll never have to struggle with them again. It's just not true because that's just not how people work. We're all nuanced, but the main part of it is giving everyone space to be nuanced. Mm. We all are given an opportunity and a space to be our best selves and our worst selves and to grow and to change and to be mm. forgiven and to do all these different things. How much better would we be as a society if we just allowed that? So, mm. anyway, it again gets my 1960s police badge for mm. amazing acting, but also how it creates a larger conversation even in 2024. And this movie came out in 1967.
2: So, thank Whoa. you.
0: Whoa, listen, there you have it, everybody. Brittany put the <laughs> punctuated the I. <eye. laughs> listen, this movie, In the Heat of the Night, is a classic from the right perspective. Thank you all for tuning in. And you know what? Happy birthday, uh, Sydney Poitier.
3: Happy birthday to you.
0: Have. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in everybody love you bro it's
2: love you <laughs>